0: Hello and welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by The Autoholic. I'm Steven. And I'm Ryan. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we're back uh, from last week. We're consistent again. Here we are, back on the podcast. Wow, two
1: weeks in a row. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got to get back to our record. I think we had maybe, we were doing well. We had maybe like 12 episodes in a row each week. That was
1: pretty good. That was a good run at it. And then I got married and everything went to shit.
0: Everyone got married.
1: <laughs> Everyone got married. Everyone got married. Except
0: for me. <laughs> Not yet. Um, and then a lot of travel, but now we're a little tired. We're tuckered out. We have some things that are, are grounding us to, to our homes. Uh, you have a new Porsche.
1: I have a new Porsche.
0: <laughs> That's very grounding.
1: <laughs> it's extremely grounding. I don't want to go anywhere. I could just stand in the window and look at it all day.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you.
1: Uh, <clears throat> I sent Stephen a picture out my office window of my Porsche and he said, what are you doing? You just staring out the window and looking at your car all day. And I said, yeah, pretty much.
0: (laughs) I wasn't quite sure if you had walked out, you know, made an excuse to go outside to look at it or if you do have the privilege of seeing it from your desk.
1: I do. I I park it directly in front of my window of my office. And so I, I, I look at it all day. And then from time to time I make an excuse to go out, and if I'm lucky, someone from the office will come and tell me how cool it is, and I'll strut it up and rev it for them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the treat of the day. Is yeah. your parking lot ever full enough where you might not get the spot in front of your your desk?
1: From time to time, that's a critical issue for me. And what I actually had to do the other day was I had to park in the handicapped spot because there were we were out of spots. We have two handicapped spots, but no one who uses them at the office. So <laughs> I would never... like purposely take a handicap spot from someone who needs it. I I have a lot of respect for that. But I still, even knowing that no one was going to use it, I felt very awkward and uncomfortable parking in the spot, especially because it was my Porsche It made me look like this stereotypical asshole. (laughs) But I had no choice. And I was like, what do I do? Do I park it in front of like construction equipment where it's sure to be damaged? Or do I park there? And I, I took the handicap spot.
0: Okay. In desperate times come desperate measures.
1: Right, right.
0: You need to to pull the J Diamond move. What's that? You have a designated spot for you. That's outside of your office for your car. Does he have his his name on the spot? I think it's uh, I forget if he does have the name. I think it's just an unspoken rule. It's a it's like a number like you have to register for that number or something. But it's it's his spot and he parks in the same spot every day and you can he can see his car from his office.
1: Yeah, I should set that up. But you know, my problem with this is, is that I'm not so consistent with when I arrived to the
0: office, right? He's in every day. You're, you're not
1: exactly. So I would be a little bit, uh, uh, what's the word? It would be a little presumptuous of me to think that I deserve a specific parking spot.
0: But you're a Porsche owner, don't you? <laughs> I suppose, so. you know, we are the best. <laughs> to the club. Yeah, you gotta get the memorabilia. You gotta get the hat and everything. Well, All I'm rocking these days is a Lucid hat
1: after they let me drive the Lucid at Sunday Motor.
0: Yeah, let's talk about this. I was a bit at Sunday Motor uh, the week before you, so I wanted you to come pick up your Porsche from Porsche of Brooklyn on the weekend of Porsche's 75th anniversary, um, which a lot of dealerships, including Porsche of Brooklyn, were celebrating this anniversary and had parties and people brought their cars and everything. I did not make it out to Brooklyn, uh, Porsche for that, but I did go out to New Jersey to a few dealerships out there. I went to Paul Miller and I went to Jack Daniel Porsche. Um, and it was a nice occasion. It would have been lovely for you to bring your car, pick it up and celebrate the Porsche name with your new Porsche. Um,
1: I'm figuring that I'm still included in the 75th anniversary, given that I picked it up in that general time frame.
0: Yes, no, for sure. What I'm curious about, I was not there. But I'm curious if they had your car out on display at all. That would have been an intre- I, because it's the 75th anniversary. One of their big things was colors. And they were trying to personify all the different Porsche colors and dreaming color, this and that. And uh, they had some special edition Taycons that were multicolored uh, that they had sent to a few of these dealerships. So yours is an interesting color. I I would be surprised if they didn't put it out there and people were walking all around it.
1: That's an interesting thought. Although I will say that they have quite a quite an interesting selection of cars at Porsche <laughs> Brooklyn. That mine was you know as cool as it is. It it wasn't the 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 big you know the big thing there. They have a, a Mexico blue um, GT4 RS. They had a. GT3 RS in white. I don't know if you would consider that a cool color. Downstairs, they had some type of purplish-blue new GT3, So I and they have a Taycan in like a bright blue. They, they only have maybe three or the, four spots, so I could figure that they filled them up with other cars.
0: Yeah, they had better options to choose from.
1: I mean, now that Adventuring Green is a paint-to-sample color.
0: Yeah, technically. Got in when the getting was good. I did, as it turns <laughs> out, <laughs> eighteen
1: thousand dollars good.
0: But it was a it was a fun time, and there was a, a really good turnout for the uh, the events in New Jersey. Got to see a lot of my friends and a lot of cool, interesting cars around, uh, and it was a nice time. And then I did end up going to Sunday Motor the next day out in New Jersey, Madison, New Jersey, which is a lovely uh, car uh, car themed cafe. Mostly Porsche. It's an old gas station that got turned into a cafe and good food, good coffee. Would you not it's agree? It's a scene. It is a scene. And and I think that was the most interesting thing that you told me when you went separately with, with than me, is that you said it felt very L.A. It
1: did. It felt like I, I, I could have been in L.A. or
0: Orange County. So you felt like you were at Malibu Kitchen with uh, Spike and, and, and Jay Leno and everyone was hanging there, you know?
1: I have a suspicion that that's exactly what it felt like. Absolutely. And uh, it was a cool, <clears throat> cool event there. Cool day. I, I liked the place. I thought everybody was very nice, but you could tell that people were showing up. You know, there was also like a there to be seen kind of thing.
0: It It is a flex kind of spot.
1: A flex spot. That's a nice way to put it.
0: Yeah, people do bring a lot of really uh, radical things uh, to there. Even in the Porsche scene, when I was there, there was a guy in, in basically a cup car that had license plates on it, uh, which was wild. Um, and it's not the easiest place to, to park in. There's not a lot of parking actually in the cafe. So most of the parking is along the street, which is, uh, which is interesting. And it's always nerve wracking pulling up thinking about, where am I gonna park?
1: Right, I didn't know that when I arrived there. I assumed parking was going to be easy, but on the day that I arrived, Lucid had taken over the entire parking lot and people were pulling up and they were sort of shooing them out and everybody was awkwardly trying to turn around their really nice cars and they were having some problems.
0: And so you had an opportunity to drive uh, the Lucids while it was out there? I did,
1: it it was actually an amazing experience. I would give Lucid a lot of credit the best um marketing event i've ever been to for any car brand in fact it was so good that they bought my breakfast and coffee they must be going well yeah (laughs) i could i couldn't believe it they said no no i was in line and then i went over to register and they said you just come on over here we'll we'll take care of your breakfast and everything and i was like all right and by the way here's a lucid go out for a drive the guy who took me out was a race instructor he was a really nice guy he said don't tell anybody but this is like insane mode and he put it in so i could try it apparently that wasn't wasn't allowed um but it, it was a cool car really uh, really different from um any other electric vehicles i'd driven it probably a lot felt a lot closer to like my dad's seven series
0: interesting now I, we weren't planning on going into this but it is a pretty pricey uh point of entry into the electric car market the lucids they are pretty expensive
1: they are and they just came out with one that's a lot cheaper so they're the the cars that they were starting with were all at a hundred thousand pretty much base and they just came out with um for 105 or something was the lowest and they came out with this pure i believe it's called Mm. down to 85,000. so it competes with i guess that's probably the price point of the base model s um or a lot cheaper than the base model x and I got to tell you, it was a much nicer feeling vehicle on the inside than the Model X and a very different drive. You know, Teslas are they've gone for this feeling that they're kind of video game like in the way they drive, very direct. And, and the Lucid felt more like a typical luxury car. And I sort of liked that because you get in it and it's more natural.
0: That is nice. There is actually one that, uh, that street parks around me here in Brooklyn Heights, and I'm always amazed by that.
1: Could you imagine owning an electric car without having a dedicated charging spot to charge it up at every night at your house?
0: I couldn't. But also the fact of having, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand whatever dollar electric car sitting on the street. I don't know.
1: So the person, do they do they hire someone to go and charge their electric car for them? They probably have the money to do so. <laughs> right. It's it's almost obscene. I can't even understand that situation. Or maybe
0: they drive it every day and wherever they go to work, they have a place to charge it. I don't know.
1: Fair enough. That could be fair enough. But, well, on the Porsche 75th anniversary, you didn't uh, really talk much on that. I was sort of interested as to maybe some of the cars that you saw. Was anything really interesting? Anything very special?
0: It was... Uh... The Paul Miller one, which I went to during the day, was quite a scene. They had like a, a bounce house. They had free food and like racing sims set up. Um, so it was quite interesting. And uh, the array of cars by people uh, was was nice. I'm a little bit spoiled where it's. I'm very connected to a lot of the people here in the, the New York metro area, so I see a lot of the same cars. Mm-hmm. all the time uh, and so i know the people who own them and there were a lot of gt3s a lot of new gt3s all in different colors It was all very well organized um and those are you know definitely cool cars but when you see 10 in a row they become less cool
1: um yeah it's funny how that happens right
0: it's like you've seen one you've seen them all as yeah, far as
1: box of gt3s
0: <laughs> yeah um but they had some actually some really interesting cars inside and they were kind of in their um uh, maintenance you know department and they had a, a rough uh like a early early 90s no late 80s 911 rough that was in green i think it was green on green um they had a flat nose turbo um and uh There was one really nice spec gt3 that was there but that's the thing i i do feel like the spec has to be very well thought out and not just your typical hey i'm loud i'm a gt3 look at me
1: i feel that way about porsches as well i'm i'm quite particular about what draws me in i noticed that it looked many cars i just sort of walked right past right and the, my favorite one was a, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast I think I skipped it. My favorite car was a 964 Carrera 4 you know wide body green on green and it was this beautiful green oh it was such a stunning car it was on like french plates or something I have a picture maybe I could post it up on the on the Instagram post it was so gorgeous
0: There was one interesting thing that I posted a photo of the meat and and someone on my Instagram um, who follows me commented and they, they brought up an interesting point. They said Porsche meats are starting to look a lot more like Corvette meats. And I actually kind of agree with them in a way, you know, especially this kind of one in like New Jersey and it's very Porsche specific with all the modern just, you know, strong but solid color cars, you know, they're flat but bright colored cars and that just seems a very Chevrolet in a way.
1: It's so funny. I I hadn't thought about that at all, but I I get it. And it and and the other thing that reminds me of Chevrolet or or muscle car in general is what you said earlier, it's about the flex.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean and maybe that's just the New Jersey thing because New Jersey is very much that way.
1: New Jersey is that way. That's that was what I was thinking when I was at uh, Sunday there's definitely people that aren't like that, and I don't mean to, For sure. to disparage New Jersey folks, but <laughs> yeah. there there is a scene in New Jersey, and it it was funny to me. It's and it's also a little similar to a Rhode Island scene. There's a similar really? vibe up here too. It's sort of like the, <laughs> it's I mean, like like the stereotypical Italian guy, like me, you know, but <laughs> a little different.
0: I feel like around you, it's a little bit more the like quiet. Yes, you, you know I have a lot of money, but I don't need to... It speaks for itself. I don't need to show you. You know it.
1: There's a little bit of that, and then there's some more of, like, the Long Island-type wealth. Okay. Yeah. Like like I, the, the Hamptons-type wealth.
0: Okay, yes, definitely, where they have a home there, and they have a home there. and you know.
1: Right, they bought between the Hamptons and <laughs> Newport. It's an interesting life.
0: I always feel like with New Jersey, the scene there is... They're so ashamed that they don't live in New York City that they have to make up for it <laughs> with their houses and their cars.
1: Yeah, and, New, New Jersey if, is a
0: funny, a funny little thing.
1: I, I when, when Karen and I were driving around, we were sort of, we were confused. We felt a little lost because it, <laughs> it, it doesn't have an identity in a way like New England does. New England has a very clear identity to me. Mm-hmm. Or it has a few identities, but they're they're kind of clear. And New Jersey seems like exactly what you said it's sort of lost trying to find its way and to define itself against something like new york right interesting
0: yeah so that's my i think i grew up there (laughs) right (laughs) right but uh yeah it was a nice time at the porsche 75th despite all the new jersey people there so uh (laughs) i'm kidding they're all great folk um but uh, yeah, and the one in the evening that I went to was was very was much more relaxed. And actually, I preferred that one because I was able to have more meaningful conversation with the owners. People just kind of walked up to you and, and asked you about your car. You talked to them about their car and, and other cars that they've owned. And, and it seemed a little bit more community based and a little Paul
1: less. Or at Jack Daniels.
0: Uh, this was at Jack Daniel Porsche. And actually I, I had no idea the Paul Miller one was going on during the day. Some friends said, hey, we're all coming here. You should you should definitely meet us. But I actually know someone who works for Jack Daniel Porsche and you know, was going to go out there and, and support him in that dealership. Actually, I think I know two people who work there. But um, but yeah, so and, and I've been there before and it's uh, right off 17. I'm pretty sure. Jack Daniel's
1: Porsche has a, you know, a place in my heart because I, I sat in a Carrera GT in that dealership. Really? Yeah. Yep. Salesman was really nice when I was a kid and he let me sit in a Carrera GT and I was just over the moon.
0: Lovely. That's a nice little story.
1: He started to, as I recall, and I was young, but as I recall, he told me that he was going 160 miles an hour on 17 there in
0: that Carrera <laughs> GT. <laughs> I could maybe believe that because, you know, some of the guys on, on 17 drive like maniacs and in regular 911s, they they hit 130 pretty easily.
1: Yeah, that's I sort of, I believed it at the time, yeah. you know, so.
0: It's <laughs> a kid's fantasy, but it could be reality. Yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, that's nice. Well, hats off to you, Jack Daniel Porsche. Making kids dreams come true. That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs> I missed what? out on this whole Porsche 75th thing, though, you know, it was like I'm I'm just about to pick up my Cayman and Stephen's calling me. He goes, so aren't you coming to the 75th anniversary celebrations? And my delivery date was just one week off.
0: The shame. But you did eventually, even though you were a week later, you came down, and you picked up your car and I did meet you briefly upon uh, upon pickup and you had a, a shit eating grin on your face.
1: Stephen came for long enough to take the obligatory film photograph of me picking up my Porsche. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> it was very nice of you. Kodak moment. Even it though was certainly shot. a Kodak moment. We shot on Lomography. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, no, it was, uh, it was fun. It was a cool day. I came down, Karen and I rented a Chevrolet Malibu, which certainly made the Porsche feel quite special in comparison.
0: <laughs> but did you like the malibu for what it was
1: we were talking about this a bit before i think that a twenty-five thousand dollars chevrolet malibu is a lot of car for the money it's a big car it's just like it feels like america to me
0: i think it's yeah it's quintessential america in a way
1: yeah absolutely and although it doesn't look like the malibu that we would think of is quintessential america right you know i think we could all look back to that 60s malibu and 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 think of that but it's still uh, it still embodies maybe some of the characteristics of old americana and cars and just that it's kind of cheap mm. but it's really comfy and just does pretty well over long distance so they skimped out in many ways where they knew they could and they just made it sort of a good American car in the sense where the values matter to that to that kind of buyer, right? You could see how people around the center of the country must love these because driving on straight roads, it was maybe one of the best twenty-five thousand dollars cars I've I've driven. So I, a lot of credit to GM for putting out that kind of vehicle, and I think that embodies what GM tries to do with their vehicles.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good uh, a good point in the market. They know what they're good at and what their cars are there for. And I, I, you know, when the Malibu, my, my grandfather had an older Malibu, uh, that mid to early two thousands body style.
1: You mean the really wavy curvy one?
0: Yes. When they, yeah. And, uh, that one was, uh, it was interesting. Like it's like maybe not a looker, but maybe looking back, maybe is, I don't know. But, uh, i actually loved when they did this most recent like restyling of it and i think it does look kind of sharp sharp, you know it looks more interesting Um,
1: i'm not sure that it's sharp or interesting but more interesting i suppose than the last one
0: i I felt like it was a big big departure from their their previous model so
1: i agree and right now it looks like a whale shark which it kind of is it just sort of rolls around with its mouth open open, very very (laughs)
0: calmly you know (laughs) that's a good that's a good analogy i like that
1: yeah because they sort of tucked the back end in a bit like it it looks shark like in that sense and the front just
0: big gaping mouth yes yeah (laughs) but uh so you had that boat like uh luxury-ish american experience to go pick up your your cayman gts 4.0 I almost
1: peed my pants driving into Manhattan in that car, by the way, I I felt like I was a a teenager that I didn't know when to stop to use the restroom because there was so much traffic getting into New York, it took me like forever to get to Battery Park where I was dropping this thing off and I get into the, the, the drop off for the rental. And I said, do you have a restroom? No, no, it's all all being renovated. And we're sprinting down the street trying to find a restaurant.
0: It's a real issue.
1: <laughs> it's a huge issue in New York. And I forgot about it. And I was just laughing at myself like, that I'm I'm this sophisticated gentleman going to buy a Porsche and I and I'm just totally off my game, sprinting to a restroom to trying <laughs> to use the bathroom you did not my this before my pants. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a good moment. It was I would say it was a humbling was. part of the Porsche <laughs> buying experience
0: for Or me. are you more like a Porsche owner now?
1: Maybe. Maybe <laughs> all.
0: they're all fifties and sixties years old and they sorry Dad and they 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 need bathrooms
1: right maybe i experienced a typical porsche owner issue but at my age i should have that all under under
0: it's an issue in new york it is you know (laughs) Uh, you got to know the right spots
1: right and so uh well anyway i made it to porsche brooklyn and really unique little area by the way you roll up and it's i don't know it's off the beaten path but it's actually very close to downtown manhattan it's Only eight minutes from Battery Park by car, which was way quicker than many destinations in Brooklyn, right? Because it's right off of the highway after you go through the Hugh Carey Tunnel.
0: Hugh Carey, yeah.
1: I don't know who Hugh Carey is, by the way.
0: I don't know. I always think of Drew Carey whenever I. I don't suppose that it's there's a relation (laughs) whatsoever. It's you know still in my mind the Brooklyn Battery because that's what it was originally when I had moved here. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's an industry city, which is a, uh, section of Brooklyn that is like old factories that they turned into kind of new age mall, outdoor mall. There've been a lot of car meets that happen there. Um, and then yeah, Porsche Brooklyn opened up and the first thing that kind of went down there is there's a Tesla dealership and then there's actually a Volvo dealership right next to Porsche Brooklyn. Um, and so, yeah, they're kind of gentrifying the area. Yeah, because it is kind
1: of a rough area.
0: Otherwise, you kind of leave that section and, uh, you know, you're on the yeah. other side of the highway. It's not necessarily the nicest looking. Really, it's it's fine. It's it's pretty safe. But um, but yeah, it's not like a place you, anyone would go to. It's not like, you know, right. tourist streets
1: are all beat up. It's it's yeah, it just hasn't been loved. I would no. say. Right. Uh, but what is cool is you're at the entrance to Porsche Brooklyn. You're looking at the water. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost waterfront essentially. It's right yep. on that industrial pier area. Right next door, there's a really cool cafe. Um, but I I went in and uh, I'm just like shaking with anticipation. And you know, so uh, Karen went in to use the restroom. And uh, as I'm waiting for her to come out, you know, my salesman comes up, Brandon, very nice guy. And he said, "Okay, we'll wait for your wife to come out. I'll show you the car. And he takes me back. And it was just so good looking, this this damn Cayman. And the funny thing was, it was right in front of a uh, a really nice GT3, (laughs) which which made my Cayman look more normal in a way, which was kind of interesting, (laughs) but really beautiful. And it was quite the moment. I was totally overwhelmed. I couldn't really talk to anybody. Just had to look at it.
0: Yeah, no, I saw you in that moment. I remember walking in, and I was like, I'm looking for a friend who's picking up a car, and he's like, oh, he's in back. <laughs> <laughs> so they showed me where you were, and uh, you were still examining it. Um, and yeah, no, it looked great, especially under the lights there. Um, color combination's really, really nice, and you did start it up for the first time, which was cool to witness that, and it sounds very good as well.
1: It does. It's It's actually interesting to me that people uh, a lot of people go to replace the exhaust on this mm. car because i think it's very loud it's almost like ear piercingly loud in in the sport mode of the exhaust so i'm shocked that folks think that that's not quite enough it does yeah, have anyway. a little bit of a weird thing that they have some area between like um 2900 and like 3400 where there's not a lot of noise it's almost muted. But I think they did it purposefully so that you don't have any drone on the highway.
0: And that is nice. You know, that's something I certainly get in my car.
1: Right. Which is cool when you want to go out for a drive, but it could make it a little bit taxing when you're just doing an everyday thing.
0: It does. No, honestly, it does. So that's a, that's a smart thing. You know, I was actually talking to your wife uh, over the weekend. I called you and you were out paddleboarding. boarding. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, and she, I asked her what she thought about the car, and she actually thought it wasn't as loud as she thought it would be. Wow, oh, that's interesting. So she thought it would be much louder. So who knows what that means? You know, maybe uh, the expectations were a little bit greater, but that's a, always a good sign when the wife doesn't think your car is too loud.
1: That is a good sign. <laughs> well, I mean, she hasn't heard it at like 150 yet, but when you go really fast <laughs> on the highway, it's really fucking loud. <laughs>
0: I can imagine. so.
1: Yeah. I even turned off the sport exhaust when I was doing that. Allegedly. In Mexico.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's, I mean, do you want to get into the spec of your car a little bit? We've obviously uh, have mentioned that it's a Venturine green, which is now a a color that's no longer offered standard on cars. but what else? A little bit about your car makes it unique. What did you add to it that made it yours? Because you spec'd it yourself.
1: I did, which was a really fun experience. And as we've talked about before, Porsche is killing the marketing game. They just have us in hook, line, and sinker. They give you the tools to get involved and get really excited about everything. And so I, I think maybe the most important things that I spec'd. I was quite particular about everything, just because I'm. That's that's me. <laughs>
0: It's your first Porsche, so you okay. want it to be as perfect as possible.
1: Of course, exactly. Um, I, I, You know, maybe a, I'll start with a weird option. I put on the rear wiper.
0: I think that's very you.
1: <laughs> Why do you
0: say that? What, what about that is me? Because it's a little bit quirky, but it's it's it has functionality to it, but it's also a little bit fashionable in a way to like differentiate yourself and show people that maybe you're a little outdoorsy or that, you know, uh, (laughs) you actually use your car. Maybe. I Uh, love that the
1: rear wiper could give somebody that much to think about.
0: (laughs) To the car person. I think it does. If someone knows, if you know, you know, you know, someone had to click a button to specifically add that rear windscreen wiper where really you don't need it because the airflow will like move all the water from rain and, and, and this and that. But it does it does serve a purpose.
1: It does. I've driven the car in bad conditions now and a flick or two of the rear wiper is quite nice. You don't need it like at speed. Like, right. You know it flapping around, but just to keep it clear, you know, if you want to back the car in somewhere, you give it a give it a flick, clean things off. Right. It, it it is pretty nice, but I agree it does have a little bit of a uh, a vibe about it which i thought was fitting to what i was going for with the car which is that i want to use it
0: right right no i think that, that, makes, that makes, sense. makes sense and i'm here for it honestly
1: and to that end the other thing i did which steven is against <laughs> at least so far until he drives it is uh i did a 10 millimeter lift on the suspension so porsche has what the only thing i would dig them a bit on on this is that i didn't feel that they gave you enough explanation on what the options really did for you on suspension online and in the on this particular subject i would say that the dealers were of no use that they don't really know or care you know there's like a level of detail which they're willing to get into with you and otherwise they'll just tell you whatever bullshit they can to sort of get you to make your decision and move along But the 10 millimeter lift, uh, I read a lot of reviews about it and I read a few articles and in German Porsche had written a little more on it. And they talked about how they did this to make the right balance of comfort and livability for somebody wanting to sort of use the car more often. Mm. And for me, it made a lot of sense. We don't have great roads up here, honestly. Right. And I just hate the idea of scraping. (laughs) <laughs> so I so I, I ticked that box. And so far, I'm really happy with it. I I'm, I can't wait for you to see it in person. It, so, it, well, you have seen it,
0: but you yes.
1: get to experience it a little more.
0: Right. And so we should explain that the Cayman GTS is already lowered from a standard Cayman, right?
1: By 20 millimeters.
0: So essentially, your car is still 10 millimeters lower than a standard Cayman. Correct. 10 millimeters higher than a standard came in gts
1: correct it has the instead of there's spasm and pasm i have hasm <laughs> instead of spasm which is the sports pasm okay Funny. We, we, and the, the, the spasm on the gts is 10 millimeters uh, higher than the, the the standard suspension on the gt4 okay And then uh, the other, I guess the other cool options I got, I I decided on the all leather on the interior, like the dashboard and stuff. I, I kept the race text, which I thought was very GTS and really cool. I love it on the steering wheel and on the gear shift, the seats, it's wonderful. My steering wheel has a very small little defect on one little spot. So I have a case with Porsche to get that repaired. It's not like you can't see it, but it, it's just yep. enough that you feel it, and that's just... Is it a stitching thing? No, it's like a little piece of the Alcantara just sort of like, you know, it got like cut or something. Somebody probably nicked it in transport, honestly. Um, but I, I I, think that you cannot go without the leather on the interior on that. It it makes the car feel like $30,000 more expensive, and it's, you know, 800 bucks or $1,000 or whatever it's so worth it. Then I also got the brushed aluminum trim, which I feel the same way about. The plastic trim that it comes with stock all around feels kind of cheap. And whether it's brushed aluminum or or the, the dark brushed aluminum, I'd say those are the nicest trims they offer. Even the carbon fiber sort of feels cheap
0: in comparison. Yeah. Plasticky in a way, you know, even though, yeah.
1: Exactly. And this is real metal, so it's, it's very nice. You
0: know, That's it's interesting cool. to for you to talk about the the full leather and how you how it elevates the experience to such a degree, because um, that's quite the opposite from my car. And and we will get into this, because we do want to get together with our cars and then compare them back to back, but my car is full stock, basic interior. So it's all the, the cheap stuff, um, and it's interesting to see how it ages. And I think there are some positives and definitely some negatives associated with it. So it'll be interesting to see how you know your car ages over time with that I,
1: I agree i it's a great point and i think not to go too deep down this road but your your car is specifically an early 996 mm. and they have this the the plastics that they used on those early 996s look really good they did. Versus the plastics that they use today they look very cheap and there there's an interesting difference there and and yeah, I, I'm less into the plastics today as I was back then.
0: Yeah, I do agree with that. Um, I do think mine is maybe was the right point in time to have those types of things, and it and it did age fairly well.
1: And 911s weren't the same price back
0: then, buddy. <laughs> right. yeah, no, it was a whole different ball gol- uh, ball game back then. You know. Yeah, yeah. They were struggling money wise, so they you know Porsche represented a different thing
1: for for 100 grand you expect the car to feel a little more luxury than you do for I bet your 911 was like $55,000 back in the day
0: which I mean to, in today's money is like 100 grand but
1: um Good point I didn't think about it like that
0: <laughs> I don't know if it was 55 for a base 911 you think it was less than that I should know what the msrp is yeah there. sorry
1: we'll look that up we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it up. in the
0: next step in the future episode when we get together but uh yeah and the other thing you did with your car is you got the you didn't get the black wheels you went for the uh the satin wheels
1: yes yeah, satin platinum my father talked me out of it i was all about the black wheels the The guy who owns uh, the company that I work for has a 2016 Targa GTS with the black wheels. It looks so good. And I, you know, wanted that. And my dad said, no, no, with this color and everything, you don't want the black wheels. And he was spot on. And he talked me into these satin platinum wheels. And it was the move, without a doubt, totally made the car. It, it just, instead of looking like you're trying a little hard, it makes it look a little understated and elegant.
0: Yeah, and I think that fits with the overall, you know, aesthetic and and meaning of the car for for what you wanted to spec. <laughs> it looks a little bit more under the radar, more of an everyday car, but lo and behold, it's a GTS 4.0. So right, um, I did
1: leave the 4.0 sticker on the side, which Aaron was surprised about, but you like it.
0: I do like it. You gotta leave leave a little nod to like what you actually have.
1: I agree, and it's just subtle enough with the black on this dark green that you almost don't see it
0: it is it is pretty subtle um you'd have to get up close with it stationary to really see it right um, but you would be moving too fast on the road anyways for it. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you also got it uh fully wrapped in ppf correct paint uh the paint protection front
1: end all wrapped in ppf and ceramic on the rest of it and uh I decided to just do it with the dealer, which was an interesting thing. I know a lot of people are against that, <clears throat> you know, cuz they have their detailer that they trust. But really, I decided on doing it with the dealer because I don't have a detailer that I trust. And I figured that at the end of the day, they have to put out something that Porsche is happy with. You know, they don't want Porsche's going around looking like shit. That's bad for their image, you know. They put a Porsche Brooklyn license plate on my car. They don't want people associating that with bad things. So I figured that they have enough reputational um, pride or or the need to have a good reputation that they do it well. And honestly, I had some problems with it. I actually had to bring my car back to New York uh, shortly after getting it.
0: That is uh, a fear. And I, I I do hear that happen. So what happened is that in certain light or certain angles, it appeared kind of swirly.
1: Yeah, the ceramic didn't uh, you know, I guess they didn't do it just right on the on some of the top surfaces of the car. And in direct light, it looked amazing. But uh, you know, in in sort of like a cloudy day, you could see it almost looks like you could see where how they applied it, like smears. And um, so they had to actually take off all of the ceramic and redo it.
0: Mm. That must have been frustrating.
1: That must have been frustrating for them. But they they did a great yeah, job. Beautiful. Uh, well, I didn't really care because they just took care of it.
0: You know what I mean. You had to you had to drive back through New York City in your precious Porsche. I did, w- w- which was interesting.
1: You know, I, since I got it, I drove a thousand miles in the first week.
0: Well, yeah, that's uh, another thing I think I want to touch upon. So you had your car and it was in the break-in period, which you couldn't rev it above four thousand RPM. Is that correct, or you shouldn't? It's a debatable concept. It is a debate. I,
1: I concept. went. I according to Porsche, you can't go above 4,000 RPM for 2,000 miles, which I think would have been impossible
0: yeah, to, to do.
1: Just totally insane. And so I decided, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time reading about it, and Andy pruny has a, has a uh, you know, patented policy of what they do at Weissach. And I said, if it's good enough for Weissach, it's good enough for me. And so I followed pruny's policy, which essentially was to, go um, under 4,000 RPMs for the first um, 500 kilometers. And then every 200 kilometers subsequently, you could go up 500 RPMs until you got the red line. And so that was the policy that I followed. And it made sense to me, right? You were gradually sort of like breaking in a motor.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I I looked at my, I'm at like 1,500 miles now and I don't seem to have any, you know, big oil usage, which a lot of people report during the break-in period of these cars. So I'm glad to see that. And maybe, maybe it was the right thing to do. Anyway, I can tell you, I wouldn't have lasted.
0: (laughs) I don't think so. You were itching for every opportunity to put more miles on your car.
1: Every morning, I would try to find an excuse to drive to Little Compton. And so I think I drove to Little Compton more times since I bought this Porsche than I have in the last year. I, every day I was there, maybe twice a day.
0: And how many miles away is Little Compton from from where you are?
1: It was probably like a forty or sixty mile round trip.
0: Yeah, it's a, a nice little drive for the morning. <laughs> it was, and it
1: so they just opened a nice coffee shop out there, so I'd go in the mornings. You know, beautiful ride. In fact, I was like a kid on Christmas morning when you have to like you know you're you're waiting to open your presents and i uh i, I actually woke up at like five o'clock in the morning one day i think it was actually four thirty, and i went down to the car and i had to take it for a ride out to little comedy because i couldn't just i couldn't do anything but look at it
0: yeah no i mean i don't blame you it's your new present you want to go play with your toy
1: <laughs> it's what it We're, is man.
0: Kids at heart aren't we it's what it's all about bringing out the kid in us uh it's you and the cgt just uh waiting to hit 160.
1: right i haven't hit 160 yet <laughs> although i'll tell you i did have a moment with this car when i i'm driving into new york city and it was re- I, I hate driving to and from new york city these days the traffic <laughs> is fucking horrendous yeah it's, and I, so i finally have a break in the traffic i'm on 9a and i'm driving i drive over the bridge um uh from the bronx to new york and i get to redline the car for the first time and it was like sensational but then i'm, I'm cu- i carry down the west side highway and there's nobody really there and there's the section of the re- west side highway that's sort of raised next to the trump buildings mm-hmm. that i'm talking about yeah and i have the windows down and it's the sun setting and i'm like holy shit, this is what I've been dreaming about since I had my permit, you know, and I was driving to New York City in my dad's cars. And it was cool to have that moment, you know, you kind of got what you'd been waiting a long time for.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. You didn't tell me quite that detail uh, about that. I know that section um, and you do paint it as a very pleasant picture. And there is a nice view of like the, you know, the sun could set over the Hudson. You're yes. kind of elevated. You're coming into the city. Yeah. You start feeling the energy of New York City you as, as you're coming in. But that is a section of the road where there, there are a lot of expansion joints. Yeah, you hit and the expansion every, rate every, rate every 10 seconds. Second. You're like, da And every time I would drive when I lived in Hoboken and I had my cars with me, every time I was in my Porsche, and drove down that section, I was doing maybe like 30 miles per hour because it was horrendous. And it put a big damper on the whole experience of driving into the city.
1: Well, that's the beauty of the plus 10 millimeters PASM.
0: Yeah,
1: no right. problems on that stuff. Honestly, that's uh, that's actually a, a pretty good pretty good thing about it.
0: No, absolutely. That is, It's nice to have that option, for sure.
1: You know, uh, just a quick story on that spot. I was yeah. driving out of New York City one day with Armin Mm. Uh, my roommate from college who was from Russia and we had like spent the weekend partying in New York and we're in my Jetta at the time we've got the windows down we're blasting some great music and he's like Ryan do you know how cool this is (laughs) and I had sort of taken that whole that experience for granted yeah driving through there growing up in the area but I reflected on that as I was driving in with my Porsche and it felt like a very cool moment
0: no it is honestly you know, here in New York, uh, if we're used to it, you're around it, you, you take a lot of things for granted. But you, a lot of things that, you know, I can do on a daily basis, you know, are really cool when you look at it from the outside. And, and they are really cool, but a lot of times you lose sight of that when you're just surrounded by so much activity or seeing other people doing maybe something cooler or, or this and that. But, uh, no, it, it is a, an amazing spot and it's nice to take a, a step back and enjoy those moments.
1: Oh, absolutely. But I'll tell you, I went from that absolute high to like the absolute low because uh, it was a absolutely chaotic evening in New York City that I wasn't aware of happening. So in Rhode Island, we had the gay pride parade maybe two weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. And I had assumed that sort of all cities did gay pride at the same time. I didn't know that it was on different dates. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be pulling into the West Side Highway at the time of Just an incredible influx of people. I I don't know that I've ever seen something like this before. Just so many people, so many police officers. And it was, I got, you know, nothing against gay pride. I'm like all four people celebrating and everything. But I just didn't anticipate so many people and so much traffic. It was overwhelming for me. And especially in my new car i'm like sitting there like oh my god i hope nothing happens you know it took me maybe an hour and a half to get from that spot to where i was parking
0: no that that is a struggle especially if you're not anticipating it that's a it's a a startling thing to to drive into and and you know not whether it's gay pride or any event that's going on in new york or any city if there's something going on you're not expecting to be there like a whole bunch of road closures and, and traffic and people. That's very stressful. And then to be in your new car, that's uh, that's a lot of stress added onto that.
1: People were like driving scooters against the traffic flow on the West Side Highway.
0: It, it can be chaotic.
1: It here. was chaos. And, you know, I mean, there were like hundreds of police officers pulling up. They'd stopped the road. It was. It was wild. I, I wondered. I, I actually I was I didn't know that it was gay pride at first and I And I saw these police officers coming. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope something bad didn't happen to somebody. But I guess they were probably just there because there was such a mass of people that they needed just crowd control and things mm-hmm. like that, you know?
0: Yeah. No, that's. Uh, but everything worked out. You brought, it did.
1: I parked uh, in the garage in, on Pier. Uh, what Pier 40, is that?
0: Pier 40, right?
1: Tier 40, right, which is the be- the only place that I know of where you can park your own car. And so I always go in there when I have a car that I'm trying to take care of and or went to bed, you know, stress-free. Although I did spend more time than usual picking my parking spot in that garage <laughs> because in the first spot that I pulled into, there was like this alarm beeping on the wall and it was like high water alarm. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this? Is some water going to spill on my car? <laughs> So, I'm all freaked out. I drive around in circles trying to find another spot, and i I ended up somewhere else in the garage.
0: <laughs> is this the same is it is the garage below the the uh, there are like soccer fields on the top of the garage, or is that separate?
1: no, so the the, the soccer fields are in the middle, and the garage is all okay. around. but okay. so it's it's actually a very small garage on the left side for daily parkers and then it's a massive garage all around the soccer fields for people who are like monthly mm. and so my dad actually used to keep his car there and and we'd always laugh like the clientele they very interesting cars honestly mm. usually a lot of cool stuff we saw a lot of defenders old range rovers i think anybody who really cared for their car liked the idea of being able to park it themselves put a cover on it you asked me if i had a cover i didn't i didn't think that well ahead. Mm-hmm.
0: I wouldn't put it past you, though, you know. But
1: maybe next time I
0: will. <laughs> now that you you don't want to drive into New York ever again.
1: No, no, I think I'm done driving into New York for the summer at least.
0: Well, I know you're concerned with that because I have to do that quite often. And it's a, maybe a blocker for why I don't drive my car so often out in, you know, my brother holds on to in New Jersey. And I do have to to drive out there and. When you're done for the weekend like say the, the weekend of the porsche 75th i i refuse to drive my 911 in the city because it's on coilovers and, and you can but it it's just a headache it's 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 a hassle it's frustrating it's just not worth it so i swap always for my mercedes or something and bring that into the city um but you also have to think about okay what time am i going back am i going back at a prime time am i going to sit in like an hour worth of traffic going through the tunnel and these days nine times out of ten unless you're leaving before noon and getting into the city before noon you are going to sit in an hour's worth of traffic every and, time
1: i come in these days i never remembered it like this before even on non-rush hour times
0: yeah it, it is crazy and i do think they are doing some work on some of the tunnels depending on which ones you go to but Um, but it is more often than not just a hassle and you just sit in traffic and especially in my W123 where that doesn't have air conditioning and and things these days.
1: The windows don't all function appropriately.
0: They're on and off. The driver window stopped briefly, but I got it working after a few days (laughs) after some incessant pressing of up and down, up and down, it, it came back to life and thankfully worked because I was driving out to Long Island, and it was very hot, and I would have died if I hadn't had that window open. Um, but yeah, no.
1: Woes of your Mercedes, though. As I understand, you and your brother were working on that this weekend.
0: Yeah, we were we were up in Connecticut at our folks' place um, this weekend, and ever since I picked up my car up from the garage near you, uh, we had a great day. We talked about that last time on the podcast, driving around. I brought my family in it. And the car, for the most part, started up with no, you had a little issue with the starting. And then when I drove it, I felt like the brake pedal was a little bit soft. It was still there, but just towards the bottom. It didn't hit the floor, but it just, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a rock, as it should. And I drove it back and everything. It's fine, but I still felt a little uncomfortable with it. Um, As I'm getting older in age, I, I start to care more about, my (laughs) well-being yes we are as you say delicate flowers now
1: now now that i'm 30
0: when do you turn 30? September
1: yeah yeah you're gonna feel it too just wait
0: (laughs) i'm already feeling it (laughs) i feel like i'm 40 already Um, but uh yeah so it just it wasn't it didn't feel good enough for for me to want to especially with New York and its traffic you never know when you're going to need to step on the brake hard or sudden stop so that's something we definitely have to sort out so we were both going to be home said to my brother hey would you mind if we take a look at what's going on maybe we could do a, a brake fluid flush that's something he and i have done together on on other cars we've done it on the race car when we did lemons so it's something we're kind of familiar with so we had all the tools necessary to do it so we started doing it and uh Everything's going well. We start with the rear wheels. Um, I'm in the car, I'm doing the pumping up-down. We're communicating really well for once. Um, and not and an
1: unusual occurrence the for the Diamond Brothers. <laughs> yes.
0: But uh, he was just getting a lot of air coming out of the, the left rear caliper. Uh, and it just was constant. He couldn't get a, a steady stream of, of just brake fluid uh and so that was funky i actually had to leave i was going to to visit my my grandmother uh with my dad um which is another nice reason to be home and, and see family but uh so he continued to work on it actually my mom helped him out uh in your mom my, was doing the breaking yes my mom apparently oh i love that that's fantastic <laughs> she, she always likes to hang around when we're doing stuff with the cars and i washed my car because it was disgusting uh, <laughs> when i got home and she was kind of out there watching me uh, clean my wheels because they had some cake done brake dust and she was helping me. She brought me like baking soda and Dawn soap and whatnot um, to do so. But uh, I get back and I talk to my brother about it. He had finished and he said, yeah, there's there's something else that's that's up. Um, and he said, I think there's an issue with the, the, the brake booster. Um, uh, and. Or like, you know, the master cylinder kind of a thing. And and we have a neighbor who's very into cars and my brother ran into him. He helped him with some things and they talked about it. And the W one two three has not to get too much into the details, but has two chambers for the brake fluid for alternate sides of the brake calipers. So one controls like the front left and the the right rear and, and vice versa. And so we think there's somewhat of an air leak in in the chamber that controls the left rear and the front right um and i did notice maybe a little hissing of noise when we were when we drained the old fluid and we put in new fluid um and we had one of the reservoir caps open i I felt like i did hear some some air kind of getting through and uh he just couldn't get from the front right and the left rear steady stream of brake fluid so he drove it And I drove it again to see how it felt. And it felt a little worse than how it was even before,
1: actually. Oh, that's too bad, yeah.
0: So that was a shame. Um, So we definitely need to look into it more. So I asked my brother if he would, he works in a shop, if he would take it back with him, get it up on a lift, and maybe have him look at it and his boss, who's more of a mechanic than he is, even though my brother's come to be, you know, to know his stuff. Uh, take a look at it. And so that's what they did. So we changed, we swapped cars uh, and I would take his Lexus LX470 back to New York City. Um, And so he would take, that was was good. Um, Obviously I was, uh, I haven't driven it over a long distance. I drove it briefly when I was with him and he was test driving it uh, and it felt good. I obviously, I grew up in one. Um, This is what, I grew up in a 2004, um in this body style 2004 lx 417 this is the first year of this body style so it's a 98 um
1: we've spoken a bit about this previously on our land river on our land cruiser podcast i should say
0: yes a few episodes ago we talked about this in detail so you can go check that out but um so it was it felt familiar and it, and it felt actually comforting and, and actually pretty nice. And when I was young and my I had just gotten my license and my mom still had this car of hers, uh, I didn't love driving it. It was a big heavy car and it was a lot to handle as a, as a kind of a new driver. And the steering is kind of light and the, the brake pedal is tiny. So I always had a hard time managing the throttle. Uh, yeah, you always told me that the throttle was touchy. It was a bit touchy and since it's so small, It's hard to feel it on the bottom of your foot. Um, and that was still the case kind of even getting into this one, you know, but I was a little bit more familiar and, and knew more about how to control it. Um, and the steering in my brother's car is a little bit heavier, uh, than my mom's used to be. Um, but honestly, it was quite a joy to, to drive it. Uh, you know, I took 95, it's not the greatest of roads. And even though the front suspension's a little bit messed up, uh, it, you know, it was just nice to just cruise around in. You're above everything. He has big knobby tires on it. Um, he has an aftermarket radio on it, so it has Apple CarPlay and everything. And you know, I had a nice conversation with your wife as I was driving down. I talked to my brother for a bit. Um, What's and the I just,
1: cruising speed of that vehicle?
0: This is that's a great question because I, I talked to my brother about this when I when I got to my apartment. It loves to cruise on the highway between 65 and 70 miles per hour.
1: So it's a bit slower than, than most cars these days.
0: It is. Um,
1: it's like my Jeep. The Jeep likes to cruise at about 70.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a truck.
1: Tires might have something to do tires.
0: with it. Exactly. Um, you can push it, and then, like, you know, the V8, you really need to put your foot down to really get that V8 to really pick up. And it's not, you know, it's not fast. Uh, it makes a lot of induction noise, but it, it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, so, you know, if you want to pass a few cars, you want to make sure you have enough space. There's no one coming up upon you pretty quickly, but, uh, but I, I honestly, I enjoyed the drive a lot. And I was nervous about parking, cause it is a big car. Um, and when I got to my block, there was actually a, a parking spot at the end of the the section where you're allowed to park There was some guy leaving so i thought oh perfect i'll be the last car in the row i have all the space in the world no one will park behind me i don't have the parallel park i just pull straight through but this was monday right before uh fourth of july and one side of the street is a wednesday sweeping side and This is, you know, alternate side parking that you deal with in in New York City when you street park. For
1: those of you who don't know, this is the bane of street parking existence.
0: Exactly. If you don't want to spend $400 a month on a garage, (laughs) this is the shit you have to deal with. Yes. And in Manhattan, it's worse because you have two days per week. In Brooklyn, it's only one day per week per side.
1: I did not know that. That's a huge difference in terms of you being able to effectively street park your car.
0: Yes. So, like, in Manhattan, it might be a uh friday or tuesday thursday right exactly Wednesdays
1: are good for everybody
0: yeah something like that but here one side on my street in particular one side's wednesday one side's tuesday and i knew tuesday would be suspended parking for the holiday so ideally i wanted a tuesday spot i walked down to my apartment and there's a big tuesday spot open right in front of my building but there's this commercial van that's blocking it so I'm like, ah oh, shit. So I, I come up, I put my stuff away. I said, well, let me go out. I'll walk around, see if I can find a Tuesday spot, see if I can move it. The van is gone. So I sprint up to the car, get in it. I don't even put my seatbelt on, start it up. I'm driving away. I'm unfolding the mirrors as I'm driving. And my street is cobblestone. So in that car, it's not a problem. I'm I'm doing 10 miles per hour or whatever down the street and uh, I get the nice big open Tuesday spot right in front of my my apartment. So it worked out perfectly.
1: Is this the one that you can see from the highway above your building?
0: Uh, it's not the same spot. That is a great story that we should mention that we met for lunch when you're in New York uh, getting your car redone for the PPF and you passed by my apartment on 278 because it is within eyesight and if any listeners hear cars go by you can hear actually 278 in the background um and
1: i'm i'm in the i'm in the taxi i'm in an uber and i'm on a conference call and you know i'm sort of not paying attention to anything because i'm on this conference call with the customer and i look down and i see this great you know dark blue w123 and i say damn i love that color what a good looking car and then I take a double take and I'm, that's Steven's car. <laughs> and I realized that I'm looking at his building and his street and it was uh, just a, a really funny experience that I had had that joy in looking at your car without realizing it.
0: Yeah, that is funny. I, I love that story. It's uh, very funny and very coincidental. Um, saying
1: that more people should have car spotting stories about your one, two, three in Brooklyn. Maybe we're just not hearing of them. If well, you have a story about Steven's Midnight Blue W123 in Brooklyn. Please write to us.
0: Yeah, if you see a Midnight Blue W123 that has plastic louvers on the on the back window and and Hella 500 driving lamps that don't work on the front, uh, tag the autoholic. Tag the autoholic. That's right. I've thought about having a, a handle for my car, but it's a it's a love hate relationship with the with the idea of that
1: i know you and ross were a little more anti it than i was i think you could put a nice autoholic sticker right on there
0: i i've thought about that we should probably do that the autoholic might be a a good medium ground
1: uh that is a good medium ground on it we'll have to come up with a nice sticker i'd put one on the on the porsche
0: okay there we go well stay tuned for the autoholic stickers uh coming to a a online shop near you
1: the problem is i see Tedward sticker and i don't know how we could be cooler than that you know the 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 Audubon Unlimited sign turned into a T is it's about as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, we, we might need a, a little extra time to come up with something cooler. And creatively. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, but I'm parked here and it's, uh, it's nice to have a car that kind of is a tank and, and can uh, handle all the, the qualms of driving in New York City. What do
1: you think of the value of the LX470 after driving it for a bit? You know, I sort of feel that that's a lot of car for the money, but I I haven't had to live with it and see maybe some of the downsides of it. Do you feel that it, you know, maybe my first reaction on getting into it holds true or it sort of has, you know, some problems that you have to deal with?
0: I think initially it holds true like it is so far it's been a lot of car for the money my brother did get a good deal on it Um, but there are definitely some things that it it could use some work on and it could very easily be a money pit Um, so I think it's striking the right balance of how long do you hold on to the car before it becomes that and becomes necessary to sink that money into it. Um,
1: It's always the trick with these similar to the vegan.
0: Yeah, high mileage, older cars. It's uh, they're fun while it lasts, and then if you lat, hold on to it for too long, it's no longer fun.
1: You never want to be the chump, Step no. the bucket of bolts in your hands.
0: Exactly, and uh, you know that's where we are with the Viggen, which is it is for sale. If any listeners want a uh, over two hundred and twenty thousand mile Saab nine three Viggen.
1: I'll tell you, it's a great car. I've had really excellent personal personal
0: experiences in that vehicle. It's a great car when it works. Um, but these days it's not. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think it's a great value proposition what my brother has. And uh, I hope it works for him for the uh, foreseeable future and until he gets his other cars working. Because right now, since I have his car and he has my car, my W123 with no brakes... I think the only working car he really has is my 911. <laughs> and that's
1: not a good uh, uh, image for you.
0: It's it's not my preference, no. And it has been hot, so it's also his only car with AC.
1: Oh, that is a real necessity.
0: The, it's been,
1: this is the hottest we've had. It was 90 degrees here today, which was unusual. And yeah. it felt really hot.
0: It's been a warm day. Did you run the, the Cayman and the AC? The AC works in the Cayman?
1: Yes, I've been using the <laughs> AC all the time in the game, and it's excellent. It, it, actually, it's not ideal, because it blows to the back. It's all open. It's a hatchback. It's not like you have a sealed compartment. So it, it's it got a lot of glass area, mm. and, you know, there's a lot of open area that it has to fill cool air with. So it's it's actually sort of a difficult car to cool down.
0: And how is that different from a sedan?
1: So I think it ends a little different because you have more um, closed roof area on the top, right? Whereas this has a very small sort of painted roof area and then a lot of glass on either
0: side. Glass, that is a good point. So it's it's very much more a greenhouse. So it's... It fight is an uphill battle in that sense. If it
1: it doesn't have any vents in the back. It's not like it has back sure. seats, right? And so there's a lot of space back there, considering that it doesn't have back seats. And you have the engine as well, which is really warm. I can I notice there's some warmth, like in my feet and some other parts. Like it's there's a lot going on in that car, right? And so it does have to. You know, you do fiddle with the air conditioning more than I might have expected. Although there's a great guy on YouTube in Moscow. Uh, who I recommend you to look at if you're interested in the eight came, 718 Cayman. I don't recall his channel name, but he's a, a Russian uh, car journalist, and he bought a, a 718 Cayman base himself. He talks about pros, cons, all of his decisions inspecting it. Instead of the uh, aluminum trim, he went for leather trim,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is another interesting option. Definitely like that above the carbon fiber as well. well. But he complains about the climate control, Interesting lineup.
0: Interesting. Well, I, you know, Porsche, it seems like they are a luxury brand now or trying to be. But it's, it's hard to cover up what they truly are, which is just a sports car, which can be pretty gritty and, and not so pleasant, you know, with the, the warmth you're feeling and the feet and everything. Um, it's, it's no Aston Martin DB12, though.
1: It is not, which is a car that I would like to learn a little more about and talk more about with you. What I have to say about it today, though, is that I was blown away by what I saw on Instagram. The, I guess that's traditional British racing green example that they're showing with the gold wheels just has me sort of really captivated.
0: You don't wish you had gold wheels on your green Cayman?
1: You know, in a way, I would like that.
0: I think it would work.
1: It would, but it also would um, add to the presence of my car, which in a way I'd almost like to detract from, especially here in Rhode Island. It's not nice to have a loud car here.
0: I think we saw on Instagram uh, a GT4 that was in a similar green with gold wheels, and I think it works a little bit better for that than a GTS.
1: Louder cars for louder colors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious on this D V twelve too, which uh, just got released uh, today and we were both starting to watch some videos and reviews on it and uh, yeah, I'm interested to see you know what they say about it. It seems on paper, like when I first looked at it, honestly, I did not see a difference from the D V eleven. But seeing them back to back, it does look a little nicer. But I think the biggest thing, and I've had experience in the Vantage the new Vantage, um, which does feel very like old-school Mercedes on the inside. And it just feels like a lot of recycled parts. And I guess the DB11 for that price point felt very much the same way. So it didn't quite add up. And I think that was a big focus for them on this DB12, was elevating the experience to match the price point.
1: The interior does look elevated, that's to be sure. But uh, you mentioned to me some of the stats on the powertrain and and so on and so forth. And I I joked with you that when I see these Astons, I almost don't even think to look at the statistics. I'm just so blown away by their appearance. That's what has my focus, right? It's a different thing versus many other cars on the market.
0: Yeah, Astons, I mean, especially the DB line has has mostly been a... A looking piece, you know, it's about the aesthetics and the the experience of of you know being seen in it and and looking at it, because uh, historically they've always pretty much been good looking cars, are very striking, and I feel like in the last few years they've the generations have fallen off in terms of how striking they look, and uh, I think they're kind of coming back to that focus of it, and uh, you know the other ones could drive like shit, but at least they look good.
1: Well, I think that leaves us with something to talk a little bit more about next week. Um, in addition to that, I have a exciting cars and coffee coming up this weekend, uh, a, a double, double header and uh, with the Porsche, so the odd drain and a, and a PCA event, which will be really fun. And I have a, an interesting topic that we didn't discuss uh, prior to, to this, which is that my father, uh, recently had his 7 Series in for service and they gave him the new Generation 7, styled by the one and only Demogoshe. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be interesting to speak a little bit about that and his thoughts versus his 7.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting. And uh, I've had a thought recently, parking my big car uh, in New York about, if I had a small car, which I've always talked about wanting a, a Fiat 500, a Barth, would I purposely avoid parking in large spots as a courtesy to people with normal size cars and only park in in small spots. So I'll have to look for examples. Hopefully I I see a few more of uh, examples of small cars in large spots because that would frustrate me. I don't know about you. Next week we'll find out. Is (laughs) Stephen a socialist? (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned next week to find out. (laughs) Exciting news on New York parking. Thanks, well,
1: guys. We'll check in next week with you, and uh, soon enough, we'll uh, be up here together with our Porsches, and actually, subsequently to that, we'll have uh, our good buddy Mike Venditti back on the podcast. We'll be up with him in, uh, in Maine comparing our Porsches to his M5. that might have an interesting addition to its um, sonorous presence, we could say.
0: We'll have a shouting match. Literally and <laughs> <in> figuratively. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ron.
1: Signing out, guys. See you next time. Thanks, Stephen.